Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Stand Out, the podcast all about growing your organizing and productivity business. My name is Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. One of the things I love most about interviewing fellow professional organizers and productivity consultants is that we not only talk about different niches within our industry, but also how that niche can help all of us in our own businesses. So you, the listener, can not only get great information on how you can diversify your business or stretch your wings as a professional in the services you offer, but you have something to take away that you can implement into your business today. And today is no different. Emily Parks is here to talk about all things tech within the productivity and organizing world. She uses everything from applications to good old paper and pen to help her clients achieve a high level of productivity within their lives and businesses. Emily Parks, who founded Organize for Success in 2007, is an award-winning productivity consultant specializing in work-life integration and technology. She is a certified Evernote consultant, author, and professional speaker. Emily is a member of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, as well as the Institute for Challenging Disorganization, and served two terms as chapter president of NAPO, North Carolina. Emily volunteers with the Lung Cancer Initiative, a group for which she serves as secretary on the board of directors, in addition to actively supporting a variety of nonprofits across North Carolina. As in her work with clients, Emily believes it's important to strive for improving the world a little each day, and I love that so much. A graduate of Wake Forest University, Emily is a huge Demon Deacon sports fan, and she brings her experiences working in the automotive industry as well as college athletics administration into improving productivity for her clients, herself, and the organizations with whom she volunteers. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much, Sarah. I'm excited to be here today. I am pumped to have you because... So I do a lot of home organizing and a lot of interior design with my clients. And I know my clients are always overwhelmed with options. In today's world, we have so many options. So I'm excited for you to help us navigate this tech world so that in our own businesses and when our clients ask us, we can better navigate their questions to get them an answer that's suited for them. But before we dive in, can you just take us back into your journey from that automotive industry and college athletics and how you found this new calling of being a productivity consultant? Well, I transitioned from athletic administration into automotive because I realized that I like sports too much to actually work in it. Because when you're working in sports, you never actually see the sports. So then working in the automotive industry, fast paced, lots of things happening all the time. You start from square one at the beginning of each month. I was using a lot of skills, both in my job as well as helping my coworkers to organize their calendars, to keep their files straight, to make sure that their tasks were streamlined and their workflows made sense. And so leading into the Christmas of 2005, I read an article that was written by a professional organizer about how to have a stress-free holiday season. And it reflected a lot of the things I was already doing either in my spare time or with colleagues or things like that. And so started investigating this industry and realized, oh, wait a minute, I could actually get paid to do what I enjoy doing for other people. What a novel idea. And Then I was able in 2006 to go to the Professional Organizers Training Institute in Oregon and launched my business in 2007. I very quickly realized that I am not cut out to be a residential organizer and was able to fine-tune quickly to be a business organizer and productivity consultant. And it's been a perfect mix of what I was already doing and how I could truly benefit people. How did you 
know that you weren't a good residential organizer? How did you recognize that? Was it just you didn't feel like it was quite right? And so you sat back and looked at the big picture or did someone open your eyes? I know a lot of organizers still feel like they haven't found their niche. So I kind of wonder how you, how you made that decision for yourself. My first couple of months in business, I acted as a subcontractor for another professional organizer. And in working on some of the pantry and garage and attic projects, I realized that I wasn't passionate about that work and that it wasn't speaking to me from the standpoint of really where my skills were or what I was driven to learn more about. And I don't ever want to take up a work passion that I'm not intrigued by learning more about and continue learning something new every day. So it sounds like you really just listened to your heart and your gut and you didn't fall into that. You said, wait a minute, I know I'm in the world or the, the room of where I'm supposed to be, but now I've got to find my people. And then, and then you did that. So absolutely. That is exactly it. And I love how you were a subcontractor too. So any of our listeners, that's a great option. If you're not sure where in the world of organizing or productivity you want to live, maybe subcontract out for people in different niches so you can find where, where your peeps are. Yes, absolutely. And there's so many resources within our chapters of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals that fulfill that need for who's looking for a subcontractor and how you can kind of test out those waters. So you're a member of NAPO, correct? Correct. Right. You served as president twice. Where in your career did you join the organization and what did that mean for you and your business when you did? I started my business in May of 2007 and I applied to become a member of NAPO National in October of that year and then joined the local chapter in December of that year. Mm. Why did you make that decision and then were you correct in what you were hoping to gain out of that? For me... Joining NAPO, both on a national and a local level, was very similar to joining my local chamber of commerce. It was that necessary step to legitimize my business. If you are operating in an industry where you're not a member of their organization, then how can you say that you are truly a representative of that industry? Because that organization is the grouping of representatives of that industry. For me, it was a necessary first step to make sure that I legitimize my business. But the benefits that have come from that membership have been far and above what I ever envisioned going into it because it was everything from when I first started out getting that opportunity to subcontract with a veteran organizer, but also finding peers that I connect with on a very deep level because they have those same kind of analytical genes of putting things in order, also finding mentors, but even more so educational. And also, I do something a little different than some other members of NAPO do. So I love the fact that NAPO brings together such a diverse group of focuses, niches, interest so that I can focus on what I'm really good at. And if somebody comes to me needing something a little different from what I do, there are tons of other people that I could connect that person to that would be the perfect fit. Right. And I'm sure that that comes back to you as well, because you've made those connections with fellow members that if someone goes to them and it's not a good fit, they say, Emily's your girl. She can totally help you get this done. Absolutely. And it's such a great reflection of it's not so much what you know as who you know. Because when I'm serving a client or when any of us is serving a client, we bring to that client our entire network. And the stronger of a connection I can bring to those member, to my clients with those members of my network, then the greater that network becomes as a resource to each and every one of my clients and my network's clients and everything within the community. Oh my gosh, that's so true. It's not just you know, all the work that you're doing, but all the work that our, that our industry is doing, we have access to all of that. And that's, that's a value add, I think, to the, the clients that you serve. So that's a great point. And it's definitely made my business stronger over the past 11 years. Sounds like it. And let's talk about that. So I did a little digging on your website and I was blown away by all the things that you offer 
clients. And so, I mean, so to say that you are diverse is an understatement and it's not so much in the niche of, you know, diversity. You are, you definitely serve that productivity uh, need, but the way you serve your clients is widespread. And I would love to dig into that. So if you can go through, let's start with the different ways you serve potential clients. What are different ways they can, they can work with you? Absolutely. So as my business has grown, I have realized that people learn in different ways. People receive information being transferred to them in different ways and absorb those skills in different ways. And they also move on different timetables. So I wanted my business to evolve in a way where I could help those time crunched high achievers boost their productivity in a way that made sense to that person, that worked with their personality, their needs, their time frame. So the foundation of my business is still one-on-one consulting. It's going in with entrepreneurs, small business owners, C-suite executives, people who are wearing lots of hats, juggling lots of responsibilities, and having to figure out what matters, why does it matter, and how do I attack that? So really honing in on custom solutions for individuals related to their workflow processes or their technology needs or things like that. From that one-on-one consulting, I've built a bedrock also of working with teams. And that was a natural evolution because as I worked with individuals, they were oftentimes in teams. And so there were concerns about communication, collaboration, delegation, or shared workspaces where, yeah, we can organize this person's own office, but if we're not attending to the shared workspace, it could be a waste of time. So those two kind of built off one another and work in synergy with one another. Then came the products. So I dipped my toe into the products realm with affiliates. So I signed up with Time Timer as an affiliate for their product. I signed up with the Time and Space Style Inventory Assessment as an affiliate for their product. And then I realized that there were some products that I could create myself that would be of value to my clients, mainly in helping them do more of the self-paced learning. I myself have created several ebooks. Some are workbooks, some are more of the textbook type things. Some of them are an in depth assessment of technology tools. Some of them are how do we redefine productivity? Because it means so many things out in the vernacular, but it's quite different when it's in your office and your world, and how do you make things work in your space? And then I've also created three online courses where people can see the video of me describing the module. Then they get a PDF where they can read more in depth about the module. They see a little information on the screen. They take a quick quiz and they move through the modules until the course is completed. Those can range from one of the courses has 11 modules. The other one or another one has 31 modules. And so they're all kind of in the range of that. But people can do each of those modules when it matters to them. And they have unlimited access to those courses. So once they've bought the access to it, they can delve into those videos and those PDFs at the pace that works best for them. And then as I was working with clients, they would say, oh, I read this that you wrote and it really spoke to me. Can you come speak to my group about this? Or I was working with a team in an office and then they wanted me to come in and do an overall productivity presentation. So the third arm of my business that's continually growing is my public speaking. And I started just doing like lunch and learns or half day workshops, things like that. And then progressed into doing keynote speaking. And now I have started doing team workshops where we work on everything from communication skills to doing strengths finder analysis or Myers-Briggs temperament. And how can they as a team create better results and actually do the work they want to do by using these skills together. Wow. I kind of love how you used, you have used technology with, you know, the online courses, the eBooks, even the affiliates, right? To 
to grow your business. And it has so many sides. So listeners, like not only are you able to serve clients at their own pace, but I'm sure these all come at different price levels, which helps business owners at different levels within their business and what they can afford. Now you are also not always having to trade hours for dollars. So you could be working with a client one-on-one and someone just bought an ebook somewhere and you're changing their life too. And you're also making money, you know, it's, it's just kind of brilliant how you've done that. And I'm incredibly impressed. So if our listeners are saying that's brilliant, but I'm already overwhelmed, which one of these branches of your business do you recommend people dipping their toe into first? Are you glad you did the affiliates first and then came the online courses then speaking or... So the foundation of my business is still the consulting. I, I am most passionate about working with that individual and seeing their eyes light up as we come up with custom solutions for their needs. But I think which step someone takes next is based on what skills that you have to offer to the public. So if if someone listening is a very extroverted person that loves getting up in front of people and speaking, then absolutely do that. And I do recommend starting with free speaking just to kind of get experience, get some gigs behind you before you really start charging for it. But local libraries are always looking for speakers. And you, you could reach out to the YMCA or you know, all sorts of different places to get started on that. But then there's also people who are probably listening to this and saying, yo, I am not going to speak in front of people. <laughs> that is the last thing that I want to do. And for those people, then writing is probably a very logical next step because if you're more comfortable communicating in a way where you map it out and then you edit it and you make sure it's perfect before you present it to someone, speaking might not necessarily be your comfort zone, but a short ebook could be a starting place and then you can build from there. So again, it's find out who you are, what works for you, and then try that those different channels. And I know some people too, who they get their voice out there through text or words, and then they slowly dip their toe into educating small groups of people. It doesn't have to be a whole sea of individuals too. So that's super valuable information. I think it's vital for business owners to think outside the box when it comes to growing your business and how you can make money. Like you said, working one-on-one, I think is why we all kind of get started in, in this industry. I'm sure it does. It, it helps you be able to do more one-on-ones having these other channels within your business. Do you find yourself having more time now for one-on-ones because you have this other stream of income coming in on the side? Yes, I have more time for the one-on-ones, but I also get clients coming to me with a greater level of comfort in my expertise because they can see the breadth and depth of what I've created, what I am creating, and my knowledge base. That's so true. They can kind of get a taste of what you can do at their own pace, at their own price level before they decide to buy that one-on-one consultation. So there you go. There's a whole other... And and sometimes it's, oh, I, I read your ebook or I did your online course, and now I want you to come in and help me customize what I've set up based off of your course or your book. And so those are people that they're already familiar with my style. They're already familiar with my messaging. They know the lessons that I'm going to share, but it's a matter of, okay, I'm comfortable with this. I'm not comfortable with this. How can we make this all work for my personality, my office, my needs? Brilliant. Can we talk about time management when it comes to creating these different products? How did you find for you that balance of the everyday meeting with clients, admin, family, and then creating these in-depth products like these online courses with different modules? Like you said, there's tests, there's quizzes. Did you outsource some of it? Did you kind of like just say no to clients for a big chunk of time to get these done? What worked for you? Sarah, I'm so glad you asked that question because it can be very overwhelming. And the, the, the idea of taking time away from that paying client to put time and energy into our business, so we're working on our business instead of working in our business, is such a frightening 
proposition. I, even with my clients, they come to me and say, oh, I, can't, I don't have time to work on my business because I got to build it up to a certain point before I can even think about working on it. I have to be in it. Well, it, one of my lessons to them is what I had to teach myself, that there's never going to magically come that point where you feel, oh, I've built my business up enough that now I can invest time in it instead, or working on it instead of working in it. You have to put it on the schedule. You have to block off time on your calendar and make it a priority. And maybe if budgetary-wise you can't afford to take time away from those consulting clients to make it work, then maybe you do it way early in the morning before you go work with clients. Or maybe it's a weekend proposition. Or maybe it's just writing 20 minutes a day until you make some progress. One of our greatest lessons we share with our clients is take a huge, big, hairy, audacious project and break it down into teeny, tiny little tasks. It's the same prospect when you're looking at writing a book or creating a course. How can I break that big, hairy, audacious project into something that I can bite off on a daily basis in small chunks? Absolutely. And you know, you're investing in your business. Once you create that module, you kind of, it's kind of evergreen. Even if you need to make updates to it, that's minimal in comparison to creating it from nothing. But then it lives on, on its own. People can buy it, you know, at 4 a.m., you know, our time. And just, then you're in, like I said before, and you're also working with your one-on-one -on -one clients. So I think it's a great investment, but you're right. We have to make that decision to commit to do it and to create it and know that it's a great investment for our business. Because if we're not committed to making it happen, it's a wish. It's not a goal. 100%. Great. Okay. That, and I just know that a lot of, for me too, actually this weekend alone, I'm, I finally made a work date with a, a partner on an ebook that I've been wishing to do for so long. And so now I'm just, I'm sacrificing a week, sacrificing. I'm committing this weekend to do it. And I'm so excited to see what comes of it because I've been talking about it for so long. So, And I will say for me, a, a big helper was to create a sense of accountability. So whenever I set those appointments, a lot of times there was an element of partnering with my publicity manager who was pushing me along saying, you need this, you need this, you need this. And so it's okay, let me tell her that I'm doing this so that she's aware of it and she can hold me accountable because I know she's going to be watching for the final product and I would be letting her down by not following through on what I've told her. Do you have employees or do you only work with subcontractors? Most of the work that I do with my clients is workflow processes or implementing technology. So it's a lot about my brain and sort of they've tried plan A, B, and C. So how do we find plan D or plan E? And I have strategically chosen not to use employees or subcontractors instead of diversifying through teams or kind of having people boots on the ground for me. I've decided to diversify through the products and the speaking, but I do implement or outsource staff. So publicity manager, virtual assistant, bookkeeper, things like that, that number one, utilize what they are better at than I am, but also allow me to focus on what I need to be doing because I'm not spending time on something that somebody else could do for me. And when did you decide, because I used to say, when did you know, but I feel like everyone's answer is like, I didn't know. When did you decide that it was time to outsource more of these like the bookkeeping and the VA, did you reach a financial goal in your business? Did you just say, I am feeling so stressed out. I need to get this off my plate. What was it for you? For me, I have continually every year tried to outsource a little bit more. And part of that is putting to work myself the lessons that I teach my clients of the fact that if you are investing time in something that someone else could do, equally well, if not better or faster, then you're robbing yourself of time that you could put towards what only you can do. So I'm constantly looking at my to-do list thinking, can somebody else do this? Can somebody else do this? But it was also each year I'm a little more frustrated at certain tasks. And if I feel frustrated about it, I know I'm not going to get it done in as timely of a manner. So it's, it's something that needs to be outsourced. Or 
when I feel overwhelmed. If I feel overwhelmed, I look at my data dump of tasks and I say, okay, something's got to go. Who can help me with what? Brilliant. So again, it's special to who you are and what you do, but it's that age old, what can someone do that's better at it than you are so that you can focus on that? I'm sure what, who can't replace you is you on those one-to-one consultations or creating those products that is your brain in a module or in an ebook. And I have to remind myself, every day we have 1,440 minutes. And somewhere within that 1,440 minutes, I've got to sleep and eat and bathe and exercise. And I can't do everything. So if I want to do A, then what's the B that can go? And how do I balance that? Absolutely. That's where work-life integration comes in. There we go. I have one more business-related question for you, and then I really want to dive in hard to this tech thing that you're so good at. But you mentioned on your, uh, I think it was your website, that you have both hourly pricing and package pricing. How did you decide that you wanted to provide both those options, and how do you stay competitive in your market with your pricing? The transition to having both hourly and package sort of evolved from working one-on-one with people with hourly consulting and realizing how much an assessment beforehand would help and building my packages around charging for those assessments. I kept hearing so many people talking about doing free assessments and I thought, I'm not going to go do an in-depth assessment for free. There's value in that. And so I was able to craft my initial package around a 360 degree assessment of your productivity, what was working, what's not working, what are you using for all the aspects of your productivity and how to enhance those. Then as I delve deeper and deeper into technology, I realized I needed a package solely focused on a similar assessment for your technology, what tools you're using, how you're using them, because sometimes the process behind the tool is way more important than what the tool is, and then also how we could streamline to save people money. And then the more I worked with startups, I realized I needed a package focused solely on new entrepreneurs. And so that's where the three packages came from. Most of my clients start on those because number one, they're a more efficient investment of their dollars, but also because having a plan is a great way to start to implement the plan. And the assessments give us that plan as a starting point. As far as staying competitive, I started my pricing both from doing a kind of in-depth research of the market, other consultants across my area, both in this industry, but mainly other industries with business consultants and putting that together to try to figure out how to be competitive within the business environment here. It helps to be part of the Chamber of Commerce because they can provide me with some of that information. And I'm constantly doing online research. That's one of the things that my publicity manager helps me with is doing some competitive analysis every six months to a year and making sure that I'm staying within the realm that I need to, but also reflecting the ongoing training that I do. I think a day that goes by where I don't learn something is a wasted day. And so making sure that my pricing reflects my expertise, my experience, and especially keeping up with the evolution of technology because it's always changing. Always changing. So let's dive into that because I think that's the one thing that as business owners, we get frustrated. And I know our clients get frustrated when they want us to help them save on time is there is so much technology out there, A, and B, I don't know what's right for me and my needs. So then I spend hours in a dark black hole of searching and or trying things out or purchasing things that I never end up using. And I'm sure that's where someone like you would come in to help us navigate and get that that end goal much quicker. But in the purposes for the purposes of our podcast here, is there any way that you can let us as organizers and productivity specialists know on this podcast ways to help navigate our clients to choosing a technology application that might be helpful. Is there any little piece of advice you can give us? Yes, there are tips and tidbits that are related to this. The most important thing to keep in mind is don't be struck by analysis paralysis. What I mean by that is 
like you said, there are so many options. I mean, just from a task management standpoint, you're talking about thousands of apps. And then there's, okay, so now we have to look at, are they PC or are they Mac? Are they Android? Are they iPhone? Are they, do they need it accessible across all their platforms or only on one platform? Do the different things need to integrate with other tools? And it can go on and on and on. More often than not, the process related to the tool is significantly more important than the tool itself. I oftentimes will look for tools that have been around for a little while. I don't necessarily want to recommend to a client something that's only been around for a couple of months. I also want to make sure that I'm recommending tools where I'm familiar with what they do with feedback. So if I'm starting to investigate tools for someone that I've not actually used myself or I don't have experience with other clients doing, I'm going to do a call with somebody in that organization to find out when you get feedback from your consumers, how do you send that up the pipeline? Is there a channel through which people can submit their input? And how does that work? Like, how do people receive that? How do they process it? How do they implement it? Because if they're not continually evolving, that's not the tool that I want. It may be perfect right now, but the world is changing at a rapid rate. And so I want tools that are actually taking into account those changes and using the evolution of the world or new technology that happens to become available that would help their tools. Knowing that, number one, it's the process more important than the tool. And knowing, number two, I want to find a tool that the person actually will use. More often than not, I will take to the client three, maybe four options I think would be good for them. Give them a test drive of each of them because most tools will give you a free trial. And then have them test drive one of them more in depth for a week or two. And then once they see, okay, does this, do I feel comfortable with this? Because if they don't feel comfortable with it, they're not going to use it. As humans, we take the path of least resistance. So if I'm recommending a tool that requires them to go through 10 screens just to add something to their calendar, it's never going to be maintained. Or if I'm asking them to use a tool where they have to enter the same information more than once, it's never going to be maintained. So giving them that trial period, I have found is probably the most significant step forward in them actually adopting and maintaining the solution. Brilliant. I've never thought of figuring out if a tool, how a tool responds to issues or growth as a deciding factor in whether or not I'll use it. And that's, you're right, that's so important because when when you get frustrated or if you get locked out or something happens, how are they going to respond to help you? Because I'm assuming this tool is pretty important to your business if, if we're talking here tech and business growth and business management and all that kind of stuff. So that is, I think this podcast episode is worth that piece of advice in itself. So thank you, Emily. Thank you. <laughs> Now, I don't know how you're going to feel about this next next little section that I had planned for our interview. So you let me know. But I was hoping is I've got some categories here that I know us business owners struggle with finding pieces of technology to use. And I know it depends on who you are and what kind of business you're in. But if I gave you a category, would you mind sharing maybe your top couple options for uh, pieces of tech that help your clients solve these issues? How about I share top couple of tips or tools with the understanding that I have a very robust resources page on my website. So if these are not the right fit for a listener, do not feel worried, concerned, afraid. There are options for everyone. I love that. And we will make sure that those resources are in the show notes so that you can get in touch with Emily and all that work that she's done for us that you can explore might be ready for you. Okay. That's fair. Good disclaimer. Okay. So how about calendar, a shared calendar in your expertise? What, what products do you like or tend well, to keep floating to the top? I find that one of the greatest challenges for business professionals, whether it be us as owners of our business or clients that we may partner with, is you send a list of dates out and then you wait to hear back from someone. And so there's that holding period of, okay, do I block off all these dates on my calendar 
or do I wait to hear back from them knowing that it may get filled and then we have to start from scratch? So one of my greatest recommendations for individuals is to use something like Calendly or Acuity Scheduling or Shedfast or Vesita as options that integrate with your calendar where you send a link out to someone for them to schedule. It shows your real-time availability and then you don't have to hold dates on your calendar. It's going to be active for whenever they click through. And the great thing is you set the parameters for what the tool will show them. So if you only want to set appointments between 10 and 12 and 2 and 4, then you tell this tool, don't ever show any availability outside of 10 to 12 or 2 to 4, and it'll block off when somebody takes those time frames, but it shows that person real time what's available on your calendar. It's integrated, so you never have to worry about double checking multiple places. And I think this almost kind of holds you accountable to add every other appointment to your calendar so that you don't get double booked because I know that's a pain point for a lot of people. It's remembering to schedule. I'm a big fan of time blocking where I really time block every aspect of my day. And so that would be helpful. Now, the caveat is you do have to use an electronic calendar for this to work. Right. If, if you are a paper planner person, it's not going to integrate with your paper planner. Sure, sure. But I will also say as a second tip related to shared calendars, I am a huge fan of the tool called Doodle. It's D-O-O-D-L-E. And if I'm setting a meeting with a group of people, I'm the one that is responsible for picking date and time. So I want to make sure it's something that's convenient for me. I can go into doodle.com. No username or password required. So thankfully, we don't have to keep track of another login. And set what options work best for me. Send it out to everyone I want to include in the, the meeting. They pick their options that work for them. And then assuming I was proactive enough to give them a deadline for getting back on the poll, when that deadline arrives, I can go in and see dem- democracy, what was the number one vote getter, and then that's when we're having the meeting. Oh, my gosh. And I'm sure that saves a ton of back and forth emails too, just (laughs) and starting over a million times. So, okay, doodle. I like it. All right. How about updating and storing contacts? In this day and age, we are so lucky to have tools that work cross-platform and speak to one another. So if I put somebody in my contacts in my phone, it's going to speak to my laptop and I can access it on the internet. But the problem is if somebody's email changes or their phone number changes, I have to be aware of it to go into any one of those platforms and make the change and keep it going correctly. Well, I like to automate that. And there's two tools. There's easily do and full contact, which are both tools that you give access to your contacts database. They keep track of things that happen online. So if somebody posts to their LinkedIn profile, they have a new email address or a new title, then easily do tells me, Emily, this person, we found some new contact information for this person. Do you want us to update your contacts? You can give it permission to automatically update your contacts. I have chosen for it to just alert me when it sees new information for one of my contacts. But then that way, I don't have to worry about keeping track of email changes and title changes and job changes and all those kind of things. I just wait for it to give me an alert. You know how we, we're all on our phones tons. Like our phone, I think, is our greatest tool because it goes with us everywhere it's a lot of it's cloud-based. So we can access all these things from our phone. Do you, in addition to your contacts list on your phone, I'm sure all of your personal contacts are in there, but do you integrate your clients or professional contacts within that too? Or do you also have another place that you keep all of your, I guess like a CRM and as well as your phone contacts? Do you think that's too much? I encourage people to use a CRM for two reasons. Number one, it's a great place to remember the things that my brain is not going to remember as far as 
conversations, transactions, things like that. It is also a great way to set reminders for when I follow up with those contacts or set up automated processes for, okay, they did this business transaction on this date, then you need to make this call to them on this date, send this email on this date, things like that. But as far as quick contacts, I usually have phone numbers and emails for all of my contacts, clients, and business partners within my contact database. Got it. Okay, great. Good to know. How about uh, what do you use for cloud-based backups for all of this information? So step one is to make sure that we're clear on the fact that an online file repository is not the same as a cloud-based backup. A lot of people will keep their files on a Dropbox or Google Drive or SugarSync or Spider Oak or things like that. That is solely for your documents, and they're fabulous for accessing documents across different platforms from wherever you're working and sharing to collaborate and things like that. But an automated cloud backup like a Backblaze or Carbonite or CrashPlan, those are going to automate the backup of your documents, but also your program files, your computer settings. So that way, when, not if, but when your computer dies and you get a new computer, you can simply log on to that cloud website, hit restore my data, and all of those program files, all of those settings, everything automatically comes onto your new device. Sounds like this isn't an option that at business owners, we should have some sort of backup system in place. Yes, 100%. Or when, not if. So that was kind of like, yeah. (laughs) Great. It's a warning to all of our listeners. Listen, none of us are safe from our computers dying. So take precautions now. And it's not just viruses. I mean, our, our, our laptops and our desktops get old and they're not designed to last forever. So we need to proactively plan for that from day one rather than getting years into using your device and then realize, oh no, I have not backed up any of this data and I've got huge program files and lots of different program files and I should do something about that. Absolutely. Okay. That was also worth this this podcast alone, that piece of information. You may have just saved someone in a world of hurt. Okay. And then how about automating and delegating? different aspects of our business? Or does that kind of go into the whole calendar, shared calendar, and that calendar link, and maybe a combination of all these things? I love a non-tech tool of Eisenhower's box to be able, it's, it's Eisenhower's matrix. It's in a box. It looks very similar to what Stephen Covey had created with the four boxes that measure importance and urgency. The difference is that President Dwight Eisenhower took the setup that Stephen Covey had done and actually assigned action words to it. So if it's important and urgent, then you follow Nike's advice and just do it. If it's important but not urgent, then you decide when it needs to be done. If it is not important and not urgent, then could it be deleted? And then if it's urgent but not important, could it be delegated? And so with those four Ds of do, decide, delegate, and delete, I like to work through three questions. The first is, does this actually need to be done? which is where the delete element comes in. If it does need to be done, does it need to be done by me? If not, could I delegate or automate it? And then if it does need to be done by me, by when is it realistic? So that's where it's do or decide. So within that delegate element, there's two options. You could delegate it to a human being or you could delegate it to technology. A lot of times if I'm delegating it to technology, it's that automation element. And I really like to look at I-F-T-T, which is if this, then that, which is basically you set up an equation where if something happens on this platform, then something else happens on another platform. If I'm tagged in a photo on Instagram, then it automatically downloads it to Google Drive or something like that. Or if I favorite or 
if I favorite a tweet, then it automatically saves that into a file in Evernote or Dropbox or wherever. If someone wants to go to ifttt.com slash recipes, they can find on that website examples of how people are using If This Then That. I like to go there for inspiration. If I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need to get something off my plate, sometimes I'll go there for the recipes and just see how other people are using it so I can say, oh, okay, that's something I can delegate. Let's get it off my plate. If I'm looking for something to be delegated to technology that's not available through IFTTT, then I look at Podbox or Zapier. Those two are, they have, there's an, a cost associated with Podbox and Zapier, whereas if this and that is free. And so that's why I usually start with if this and that and then move up to Zapier or Podbox. But not everything that I need to delegate can be delegated to technology. So then I oftentimes will look at concierge services and almost any city or town out there has concierge services. Here in Raleigh, we've got Metro's Other Woman, Errand Girl. There's lots of different options. But on a national level, I really like looking at Fiverr. It's a website where they've got options. Or Upwork is another website to look for delegating options. But as far as boots on the ground, if you are in a city that has TaskRabbit as an option where you are located, that is actually a live human being in your city that can pick up your dry cleaning or sit in line waiting for the tickets to purchase or whatever you need to clone yourself to accomplish, you can find a human being to help. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Great. So the last thing I want to talk about very, you know, I don't want to say quickly, but you find brain dumping to be crucial, right? To, to almost every, to every day business and life existing. So do you want to talk about that a little bit, why it's so important and how we can do it effectively? My clients make fun of me sometimes because they are inspired by a mantra I use very regularly, which is our brains are meant for thinking, not remembering. And if I'm trying to do anything beyond strategic or creative thinking with my brain, it's going to be a recipe for disaster. When phone numbers were first created, they were four digits because we were only supposed to be able to remember four things at a time. Unfortunately, we have lots of tasks and recipes and resources and checklists and everything we have to remember. From a task standpoint, I find it very helpful to utilize a task manager, anything from Todoist to Remember the Milk to Microsoft Tasks to anything in between where you get it out of your brain and capture it in the tool so you can organize it by priority, assign it a deadline, and then put it into your weekly strategy and your daily functionality. But from an information standpoint, I partner with clients to use everything from Evernote to Google Keep to Microsoft OneNote. And I am an Evernote certified consultant because I'm passionate about a tool where I can dump all that information that I need to access on the fly from anywhere with one username, one password in a way that it makes it useful for me. Instead of having to dig through all sorts of information, I can easily access it in an organized manner to put it to work for me. So if any of our listeners are interested in either learning how to use Evernote for themselves or how to then take that and help them with their clients, they could go to someone like you and help them master Evernote. Because I do know that Evernote is so awesome that there's no one way to use it. And that sometimes can be daunting. And it's both a plus and a minus for the tool in that there are multiple ways to accomplish anything within the tool and it can be customized in a plethora of different ways. So I love to be able to sit down with people and say, how do you envision using information in your day so that we can then customize this tool to meet what you need? Right. And that's awesome that there's a tool out there that can then do that, that very thing. It can be tailored to, to you and how you think. Emily, this has been such a good interview. I feel like this will be one that people save and rewind and listen to again and again. I wouldn't be surprised if people don't reach out to you because technology is, is imperative to help us 
have time for our family and friends and ourselves and our self-care. I think these tools help us have all that and run a successful business. So I thank you for sharing your, your expertise with us today. I ask all of my guests to share two sticky notes with us that our our listeners can then write down real quick, put on their desk or their wall and uh, implement into their business today, something high impact. What two sticky notes would you leave our listeners with today? Number one is to figure out the best way of diversifying your business so that it allows you to share your skill set in the best way to help people in what makes you unique and special. And then the other one would be the power of one. However, you can implement simplicity in a way that it makes sense for you. One way to view all your calendars. So electronically, if you have a personal calendar and a business calendar, can you view them together so you don't double book yourself? Or the tools we talked about, contact. So you have one entry point for it to be accessible across all your devices. Or one actual list of your to-dos that gets organized by day instead of having a post-it note here, a napkin in the car that you wrote on in the drive-through, meeting notes, things like that. But implement the power of one to make yourself more successful. Ooh, simplify. Sounds like that's really just coming down to simplifying it, even though that can itself be a, a task. But there are people out there who can help us do that. So great, Emily. Uh, where can people, people find you on the web? Where do you like to hang out most? So my website is organize for success.biz. And I am across all different social media channels from Facebook and Instagram to LinkedIn, Twitter, Pinterest. And I love to be very social with people. So please reach out and create dialogue with me online. Great, Emily. And I'm sure people will. So listeners, how about you? What can you do today, this week to make a change in your business? Do you need to rethink that power of one to simplify how you see your calendar and your task list? Yes, we're organizers, but we can always learn something new every day to help us streamline our businesses. And I think Emily has given us just a treasure trove of ways for us to do that. So I'm Sarah Karakay, and that wraps up this episode of Standout. Thank you for being here with me and I'm learning right along with you. So I, I appreciate you tuning in for each episode. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review, let us know and hit that subscribe button. It helps us reach more listeners and, and br bring value to more organizing and productivity professionals who maybe haven't started their career yet or are thinking about it or have been in business for years. And they're just so glad to have some place to come to, to learn something new. So yeah, please share each and every episode with your colleagues, your team, and whoever else might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time and I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more.